we should definitely ask Brett Favre what he thinks about this. Just so we have something to entertain ourselves with. I can't watch any more of this impeachment stuff, but I would listen to a Brett Favre interview about him. He just comes in firing from the hip. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I am absolutely thriving today. I'm thriving today. I have I am the best version of myself. I got a great night's sleep last night. Didn't have to stay up late to watch the Bucks or the Badgers, nothing like that. Got in bed at a reasonable time. Woke up. I went and voted this morning. I sliced up a tomato and ate it with my breakfast. So I had vegetables before noon. Went to the grocery store. Just picked up some things. Just adult things. You know, I'm, I'm thriving. I'm having a heck of a day. And I think that that, that is going to transfer into the show. I think the show is going to be awesome. I think we're going to thrive for the next two hours. And I'm really, really excited. And I'm glad you're here. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. And I'm glad you've tuned in. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. I've been looking forward to tonight's show ever since I woke up. Mostly because we have an amazing guest coming up at 4.30. Nothing that I'm going to do. I don't get excited about what I am going to say or what I'm doing. I am excited for this guest coming up at 4.30. That's Andy Herman. Pack-A-Day Podcast. He does some things to Cheesehead TV. You might see his stuff with Game On Wisconsin. You might, you know, you see him around. He's, he's doing anything and everything related to the Packers. And he's going to join us at 435 to talk about the, the cap and other cap-related items, you know, things that are going on this offseason. I, I feel really, really lucky, and I don't really understand it. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what I did, but we have two great Packers guests that are willing to join this show Throughout the season, but into the offseason as well. Of course, you know Perry, Perry Goldstein at Cheesehead TV. She gave us so much this season. Very thankful for her and her analysis. And Andy, I don't know what I did, but Andy is willing to come on anytime. And that's awesome because Andy does great, great work. And he's doing God's work right now, explaining the salary cap and the Packers contract situations to every Packers fan in this entire state and beyond. So he's going to continue God's work. And we're going to ask him some tough, off-season questions coming up at 4.30. I'm not going to have him, like, explain the entire payroll. I think we did enough of that yesterday. Uh, I, I want to talk more big-picture stuff, more fun stuff with Andy, but but we'll do housekeeping, too, and talk about the cap coming up at 4.30. I want to talk about the Packers, not only with Andy, but a couple of points that I want to bring up between now and 6 o'clock, and I want to talk about the NBA, the Bucks, uh, a couple different basketball stories. Tonight's show is going to be really, really fun, and if you'd like to join in, be a part of it, Absolutely. Fire away. Send me your texts. 608-796-2558 on the talking text line. Thomas already did. In fact, Thomas got in here before four o'clock. He wanted to be first. Thomas, I'm glad to see that you're having a great night and I'm glad that you're here and tuned in. You can do what Thomas did and send me a text or you can tweet at me at Wisco Grant as well. Follow our upcoming guest, by the way, Andy Herman at Andy Herman NFL. I tagged him in a tweet. So if you Follow me. You can go find him there. Check out some of his work. This is the Pack-A-Day podcast, literally a podcast a day. But they're pretty short and they're, they're pretty manageable, right? He packs a lot of data in there, but he doesn't ramble on for an hour with, you know, some dramatic music and crap like that. Your, your time is short, right? My time is short. And, uh, and Andy's podcast is really, really good for that. Speaking of short time, let's actually start the show. I want to start with the NBA. I want to start with the Bucks. Now, the Bucks didn't play last night. Neither did the Badgers. Uh, I watched about 10 minutes of sports last night combined. I watched three or four minutes worth of the 76ers and the Jazz. I basically tuned in and I watched until I was sure the Jazz were going to win. And the Jazz did win. So then I switched to something else. I watched a couple minutes of the Clippers and the Heat until it became clear that the Clippers were going to win. And then I watched a couple, like literally like two minutes of Kings uh, Nets. And I watched the Nets go on like a 20 to nothing run. And I was like, okay. It's just not happening tonight. Like, I, I'm not going to catch a good NBA game. I'm done. I was thinking about watching some college basketball last night. Baylor was supposed to play West Virginia. That's the second-rated team in the country versus a top-15 team, two versus 13. But that game got postponed. So what I actually ended up doing was I realized that I had a couple bottles of Liney's Original left in my fridge that I'd forgotten about. They were left over from the NFC Championship game. So they're kind of tainted. They're sadness beers. So I, I finished what was left of my sadness beer last night, and I rewatched. I rewatched old Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee interviews. Emotionally, I hit rock bottom last night. 
I, I was going through it. I was drinking Liney's Original out of the bottle, my sadness beer, and watching Aaron Rodgers, you know, break down his week six win over the Texans. Or I don't, I don't know. I was in my feelings. I was watching old Aaron Rodgers videos. But I didn't watch a whole lot of live sports, which is probably why I slept really good, and I just woke up ready to just seize the day this morning. Bucks didn't play last night, but I do want to start with the NBA because there's something that's been weighing on me, and I say that in the most casual sense because sports, look, if sports stress you out to the point where, like, like they bring you more stress than enjoyment, like, all right, take it easy. Like, sports aren't supposed to, like, weigh us down throughout the day, but something I've been thinking about. Uh, and it's something I brought up, I believe, last Friday, and it's something that I, I spoke with Dave Dufour, our guest last week from The Athletic. He tweeted last week, and I thought it was a, a brilliant argument, a brilliant idea. He postulated that this NBA regular season feels like television before it became serialized, before there was an ongoing story week to week. You would tune in, you'd watch one episode, and it would be done, and you would come back the next week, completely different story. Seinfeld was really good at that. That was kind of Larry David's thing. Like, if you watch uh, interviews with Jason Alexander, he would bring this up with Larry David and, and Jerry. He'd be like, well, what do you mean George is, is doing this? How, how is this going to play out next week? And Larry David would go, who cares? We're on to something else next week, right? Who cares? It ends at the end of the episode. Like, TV used to be uh, episodic. It wasn't so serialized. And now it's changed a little bit. You get the, and coming up next week on such and such a show, right? But Dave postulated that this NBA regular season feels like television before it became serialized. And he argued that, you know, the characters, you know, you're watching, you're being entertained, but there's no ongoing story. There's no deeper meaning. No individual game means anything in the big picture. Just like one Seinfeld episode is funny and we reference it, but it it doesn't really impact the week after and the season after and so on and so forth. George got engaged and they killed her off with poison envelopes. Like, George got engaged, and it really didn't impact that much moving forward. That's how TV used to be. That's kind of how the NBA feels right now. Any given night, players are in and out due to COVID and due to injuries, right? The Lakers are that much better than everybody else. It's just hard to take away anything. It's hard to dig out a narrative. It's hard to dig out anything deeper. Now, you might not watch sports for deeper meaning, but I do. Right? If there's no flow and nothing is connected and nothing leads to anything else, then there are no narratives. And that's a big deal because sports radio and sports TV, it's all narratives. You turn on first take or first things first or the herd or NFL live. Like that's what sports media is. It's all about narratives. Most folks don't watch every NBA game every night. They follow the stories and they follow the drama. And right now they're, there's neither. Right, even in the NFL season, right? If you watch NFL Live, like with Mina Kimes and Marcus Spears, they're probably not breaking down a whole lot of film from individual games. They're talking about bigger stories and bigger narratives. And stories and narratives are nowhere to be found this NBA regular season. It also, I think, hurts that the Lakers are reigning champs and that LeBron is coming off a title because there's no, there's no tension. There's no, there's no stress. We're not constantly postulating, when is LeBron going to get back to the finals? We're not questioning if the Lakers can finally figure it out and, and get back to the, the highest level, right? Like, we're satisfied. We're fat and happy. Now, I'm not a Lakers fan or a LeBron fan, but you know, you know the people I'm talking about. Well, I'm, I'm not a fan of a team. I'm a LeBron fan. Okay. Uh, sounds like a blast. Those people. Those people are just, they're just vibing right now because the Lakers are reigning champs. LeBron is reigning champ. There's no tension. We're not longing for anything. And I think that impacts this season too. And don't get me wrong, I talk about this all the time. I love watching NBA games. It's what I do for entertainment when I get home. Individual games this season have been great. A lot of great finishes. But I'm not learning anything. And I don't feel like I'm making progress. Right, this season is what, 70 games long? I don't feel like I have figured out more about the league, what, 25, 26, 27 games in? I I don't feel like I'm any farther along. I don't feel like I'm making progress. And I tweeted about this last night, trying my best to put my feeling into words. Talked about all these games that were interesting and entertaining, but I don't know what any of them mean. For example, on Sunday night, the Thunder beat the Bucks. Oh my God, shocking upset. Well, maybe, but the Bucks were without Drew Holiday. The point guard that they traded their entire roster for. In previous years, let's say Eric Bledsoe gets hurt. Oh, okay, well, George Hill, step right up. 
Packers got depth, or the Bucks, excuse me, have depth. Now, the Bucks don't have any depth. They're running DJ Augustine at the point and Dante DiVincenzo. Oh, great, the Thunder beat the Bucks. Wow, that's insane. Well, not really. A third of their talent isn't on the floor with Drew Holiday. The other night, the Jazz beat the 76ers. The number one seed in the West played the number one seed in the East, and the Jazz looked impressive. Look at those Utah Jazz go. Man, Salt Lake City is a tough place to play. Oh, Oh, Joel Embiid didn't play. Oh, he was hurt. Oh, Joel Embiid, who very well could be voted the MVP today if the season ended today. Yeah, that guy didn't play. Okay, so what are we what are we, what are we supposed to do with that? The Jazz beat the Sixers. The Sixers didn't have their best player. Okay, cool. I guess we got to watch basketball for a few hours. The Nuggets beat the Lakers the other night. Whoa, that's newsworthy. Look at the Nuggets. Oh, oh, Anthony Davis didn't play. Anthony Davis got hurt. Oh, he only played like, 14 minutes. Okay, well, Denver is now 15 and 11 and Anthony Davis is hurt. What am I what am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with the Thunder beating a a Drew Holiday-less Bucks team? I don't know. What am I supposed to do with the Jazz beating the 76ers at home without Joel Embiid? I, I don't know. What about the Nuggets beating the Lakers? I can do nothing with that game because Anthony Davis got hurt on any given night. There's so many of these games that it's not that they don't matter. It's not that they don't count. They do, and it's fun to watch these players. These players are excellent. They're the best athletes in the world. But what am I What am I supposed to take away from these games? There's, there's nothing. There's nothing that I can latch on to. In fact, the best game of the week so far has been between the Trailblazers and the Mavericks, and that game means nothing because Luka was a heavy MVP favorite when the season started. His team's under 500 out of the playoffs, and the Blazers are the Blazers. The Blazers are going to do what they do and get bounced in the second round of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, and in that game, C.J. McCollum didn't even play, and neither did Yusuf Nurkic. Like, what? Nice. Great. I guess the game was exciting for two hours. I guess we can lean back on that. None of this means anything, and it's frustrating because I'm, I'm trying to figure out the league and talk about it on the show and try to figure out where the Bucks stand, and I just, I don't have anything to go off of. Every day when I come into the, to the studio, if I'm talking about the NBA, I always pull up a couple of things. I pull up the Bucks homepage with all of their scores and the schedule so I can quickly reference stats and uh, box scores and, and stuff like that. I pull up the NBA scoreboard so I can look at yesterday, today, tomorrow, see what the scores are, see what the games are. And I pull up the NBA standings because I like to be able to reference them at the drop of a hat. I like to be able to look one through eight, who's in the postseason, what's everybody's record, what's their point differential, what are they at home, what are they away? I, I like having it in front of me. And I'm looking right now at the Eastern Conference standings. Right? Like, I don't know who's actually good. I know the Sixers are the number one team and they've looked great at times. They're 18 and 10. That record doesn't blow me away. Not at all. The Bucks are 16 and 11. The Nets are 17 and 12. That's one, two, three. And then every other team in the East is 500 or worse. Yes, you heard me correctly. The fourth seed and down. All 500 or worse. Like, I think the Pacers are a half-decent team, but I don't know. Karis LeVert hasn't played yet. They're 500. What am I, The Pacers get beat by all the good teams. They beat some of the bad teams. The Celtics, they're 13 and 13. What do I do with that? The Knicks are 14 and 15. Okay, that's a nice story, but are the Knicks actually good? Eh, not really. The Heat, that's funny. The Heat are out of the playoffs. I, wh- what am I supposed to do with this? There's three teams in the East that are better than 500. And if you look at the West, it's a little bit more clear, right? The Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Suns, the Blazers, the Spurs, the Nuggets, the Warriors are all 500 or better. And then you get out of the playoff picture more typical than teams are 500 and below. But even the best team in the Western Conference, the Jazz, what an awesome story. But it's not a story that I can buy into because I've seen this story before. It's the Milwaukee Bucks from the last two years where they absolutely roundhoused everyone in the regular season and then they got to the postseason and had zero idea what to do. I get Bucks PTSD just watching the Jazz. So the best, most entertaining story in the league is a, is a story that I can't even buy into. Because I've seen this story before. It has a bad ending. Seen it with the Bucks the last two years. Like the biggest story in the league right now is a Draymond Green presser and the fact that the Mavericks won't play the national anthem at their games. What are we supposed to do with this? My gosh. I ended up watching Pat McAfee interviews last night from three months ago instead of watching some of these NBA games. I watched for a few minutes, but 
none of these games really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And I tweeted about this, and I got some, I got some snarky responses. Y'all had some clever jokes. Grant, the regular season never means anything. Oh, Grant, the regular season's boring. I was on with Ebo on The Zone, our affiliate in Madison this morning, and he asked me what I did for Valentine's Day, and I did hang out with a lady on Saturday night. I know, that's earth-shattering news. He asked me what we did, and I said, well, we watched a little bit of some NBA games, and we watched a movie. He's like, wait, you made her watch regular season NBA? Like it's some X-rated movie? Like some? it's a satanic film that I made her watch? It's that repulsive? Like, come on. Don't everybody come at me hating on regular season NBA games. What else are we supposed to watch? I suppose you could be into hockey, but a lot of people think hockey doesn't get good until the postseason anyways. I'd, I would have watched college basketball last night, but the best game got postponed. Also, Jalen Johnson is opting out of Duke. Maybe that's something we should talk about. The Nicolay product. Another recruit that Greg Gard missed out on. Uh, here's the take. Greg Gard avoided Jalen Johnson as a recruit because he knew that he didn't have a dedicated heart of a champion. That's absurd. If Jalen Johnson, by the way, just so we're clear, if Jalen Johnson wants to opt out and get ready for the draft, go to town. I'm not going to hate on him that one, one bit. I just thought I'd work a Greg Gard joke in there, seeing so many of you want him fired. Let's keep talking basketball. I get a lot of texts and tweets about possible trades that the Bucs could make. So I came up with an extensive, comprehensive list of the moves the Bucs could make, and there are zero. Uh, I'll explain coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Uh, my name is Grant Bills, and I'm concerned if you can't tell by my tone. Speaking to, to listeners and friends that we have in Madison, can somebody get a wellness check on Zach Heilprin, our fearless leader and, and voice and sports director? He just retweeted one of my tweets. Is he being held hostage? I'm, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. I'm concerned. This is very out of character for Zach. So if somebody at the zone or somebody in Madison, friends of Zach, please put out an APB. I'm concerned about I'm very concerned about his well-being because that's very that's not ordinary for Zach to support me on Twitter. In fact, normally it's quite the opposite. Normally it's quite the opposite. The tweet that Zach has retweeted is announcing our upcoming guest in about 12 minutes. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast, does some great things at Cheesehead TV as well. He's going to join us at 435 to talk about the Packers, talk about the cap and uh, other cap-related items. I don't, uh, I'm not going to ask him to lay out every contract and, and read off a spreadsheet. I think we've been hit over the head by a uh, dead cap and salary cap and all these things and luxury tax, all that, all that stuff. So I, I do want to have fun with Andy. I don't just want to put him to work and, and make him act like a calculus teacher to, to explain to us everything that's going on. We'll do a little bit of that. We'll hit the numbers too. We're talking about the NBA in the meantime, and, and you're welcome to join in. Talking text line is 608-796-2558 and Twitter at Wisco Grant. And I, I, I'll tell you all right now, the haters will not ruin regular season NBA games for me. I try to tweet about my passion and my love, which is nondescript Tuesday night basketball games. And you all come at me. And you say, Grant, the regular season doesn't matter. Why are you watching? Why are you watching? Those games suck. They don't matter. Why are you wasting your time? You know what? I'm not going to let the haters impact my life. You can try all you want. I'm not going to block you on Twitter. I want to see your words. I want to see your messages. And I'm going to let them flow right over my head. I'm, I'm, I'm not going not to feel it. It's not going to bother me. I like regular season NBA games. And I'm tired of pretending that I don't. And this starts with Ebo. Ebo was giving me the business about this this morning. What else are we going to talk about until the Brewers come back? I can't talk about hockey. I don't know a damn thing about hockey. Come on. <laughs> for, the, for the last week or so, I have gotten a lot of texts and a lot of tweets about the Bucks, specifically about trades. And I guess most Bucks fans are currently not very happy with uh, DJ, both DJ Augustine and DJ Wilson. Bucks fans aren't happy with Pat Connaughton. Or Brooke Lopez or Chris Middleton or Torca. Basically, Bucks fans are mad at everyone except Giannis and Bobby Portis. They are in our good graces. We're mad at everyone else, including Coach Bud, but that's that's nothing new. 
to be honest, Bucks fans would probably be mad at Drew Holiday as well, but he has COVID, so he is safe from the wrath of of Bucks fans for now. We'll see how long that lasts when he gets back, when he gets back on the court. Bucks fans are looking for a move. They're looking for an upgrade. The trade deadline is when is the trade deadline this year? God, I got to look it up. This is such bad radio. NBA trade deadline 2021. This is the first spring that I'm going through without college. So like I had a point of reference for when the trade deadline is, but now that I now that I can't match it up with school stuff. Thursday, February 6th. What in turn it tw- the 2021 trade deadline, Google. Why would you give me, you know what? Forget it. It's coming up soon. Sorry I asked. Search results. It's coming up soon. And a lot of Bucks fans want an upgrade. And they want to look to get better. Right? They want to improve. And they want to move off guys like Pat Connaughton and Brooke Lopez, who we've soured on. DJ Wilson, DJ Augustine. Grant, who can the Bucks trade for? Who can they go get? How can they get better? Here's the thing. And I hate to be Johnny Raincloud. I hate to rain on anybody's parade. And don't get me wrong. Like, if we want to march against Pat Connaughton, I will. I'll light my torch and grab my pitchfork. I am not thrilled with the, the Bucks bench at the moment either. But here's the thing. Think about it. If you don't want DJ Wilson or Pat Connaughton on your team, what makes you think another team would want them? This is just common sense here. Forget about the numbers. Forget, forget, forget about the, the rules and the CBA. Just, just think about this common sense. If there's a player on my team that I do not like, why would another team be interested in acquiring said player? That, 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 that wouldn't make any sense. Wouldn't make any sense. If the Bucks have no use for Brooke Lopez, why would a team like the Wizards or the Bulls? Oh, the Bucks have an aging center? His style of play is is falling behind today's NBA? Oh, we got to sign up. How many years? Four years? 40 million? Heck yeah, trade for that guy. Of course. Of course it wouldn't go that way. Think about it, Bucks fans. If there's a guy on our team that you don't like, why would another team want that player? And of course, this is all complicated by the fact that the Bucks have a negligible amount of trade ammo. It's not like they're short on assets or it's slim pickings. They have nothing. They have nothing to offer. In the NBA, there's a few ways to make a trade, right? The wheels get greased a couple of different ways. First round picks, you always trade draft picks. You can trade developing players, young developing players, exciting young players, or you can trade contracts that are expiring deals. And the, the recipient can use those deals to clear up cap space and then sign the players they actually want. And sometimes, especially in the case of big trades, it's a combination of all three. Right? Teams have to use all three in order to acquire a superstar player. That's essentially what happened with James Harden. Right? You needed to, to offload bad contracts. You needed to trade picks. And the Nets ended up giving up a bunch of uh, developing players as well. Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. Torian Prince is kind of in that group, but kind of, kind of not really. The Bucks have none of those things. The Bucks have no first-round picks, at least none that they can offer in a trade. They have no young developing players, except for maybe Dante, but pff, Dante alone ain't going to net you anything. And they don't have any expiring deals. Their deals are, uh, well, they're they're on the books for a while. Pat Connaughton is on the books through 2022-2023 at $5 million per. Eesh. Not great. I don't want that contract. I'm not trading for that contract. Right? If you look at uh, Chris Middleton. Not that the Bucks should trade Chris Middleton, but he's not off the books until 24-25. 2024-2025, that is. You get a player like uh, like, uh, DJ Wilson. Nobody wants DJ Wilson at $4 million a year. Why would anyone be interested in that? Right? Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez doesn't come off the books until 2024, and he's getting paid $14 million a year. That's a fat number, and it's not expiring anytime soon. And Brooke Lopez is far cry from a developing player. Do you get my point? The Bucks really don't have anything to offer. They don't have anything valuable. Now, if some veteran gets a buyout and wants to sign with the Bucks, great. Awesome. That We can talk about that, but... Trading Dante for Bradley Beal? Yeah, that's that's not going to work. And trading Chris Middleton just isn't going to happen. It shouldn't happen. Because Chris Middleton is awesome. And you should love him. Appreciate him, Bucks fans. There you go. We'll end on a wholesome note. Love and appreciate Chris Middleton. Let's talk to Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast, coming up next. Talk some salary cap here on the Wisco Sports Show.
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, I hope you're having a good night. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host on Twitter at Wisco Grant, talking a little NBA and we're going to get more into the Packers, and I actually want to talk about their defense, which is very unlike me. That's coming up later on in the show. Uh, quick before we get to our guest, Adam McAlvey and Ken Rosenthal and and the entire baseball kind of reporter sphere uh, reporting that free agent left-hander Brett Anderson, serious discussions to return with the Brewers. Ken Rosenthal, first with the report. Uh, our next guest, Andy Herman, Packaday Podcast on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Andy, do you think the Brewers should bring back Brett Anderson? Would that be a good signing? You like that? I was just going to say, are we going to do a full uh, breakdown of <laughs> Brett Anderson and see how he would fit with the team and their salary cap? Yeah, uh, that's that's probably a discussion best left for for someone else. But hey, why the heck not? Yeah, exactly. Well, Andy and I follow you on Twitter at Andy Herman. NFL and, and the Packaday podcast is great. It's a little bit every day, so it's it's you know it's just a little bit. I, I don't have time to do an hour every day, but you do a really good job of giving Packers fans what they need. And I see that you're on every show under the sun these days to break down the cap. You're you're kind of a hero right now in this state. I hope you know that. That's that's a lot of responsibility. Is that exhausting? Uh, I don't think I, I don't know that I'd uh, go as far as to say I'm a hero in the state. I don't know if it's exhausting either, but uh, I just. You know, I, I love talking Packers, and whoever's willing to have me on to talk about it, I'm happy to do it. So nothing exhausting about that. <laughs> I, I will call you a hero. You're not supposed to call yourself a hero. I think Michael Scott <laughs> once said that, but I, I will call you a hero. And I'm I'm not going to ask you to explain too much today. We kind of checked out a little bit of your podcast on the show yesterday, and, and simply put, right, and I don't think a lot of Packers fans can underst- or understood this previously, like they're in a bad spot. They could cut Preston Smith, Christian Kirksey, Dean Lowry, Wagner, and Funchess, and still be a ways away from getting under the cap, right? This isn't as simple and clean, I think, as a lot of Packers fans, myself included, originally thought. I want to ask you, so they restructured David Bakhtiari's deal. What would you guess is Brian Gutekind's thinking right now? What's his next step? What is his next move? I think the two biggest things on his play, if I had to guess, and of course I'm not at 1265 Lombardi, but if I had to guess, I'm assuming that they know which players they're going to release, assuming that they don't take massive restructures. And those are all the players, likely the players that you just named. I think Lowry, Christian Kirksey, and Preston Smith are the the obvious ones. I think Rick Wagner is a little bit less obvious with uh, the potential David Bakhtiari injury going into the season. And really just with Rick Wagner having a really nice season last year, unlike Lowry and Preston and Kirksey, uh, Wagner actually played well. So I think that complicates that discussion as well. But I, I'm assuming that he knows at this point which players are likely going to be released. Remember, if you go back to when they released uh, Jimmy Graham, that wasn't right until, you know, right before the league year started in March. So we, we may not know some of those releases for some time, but I guarantee he does. Um, but I, I would think that the next two things on his list or the next you know, handful of things on his list are figuring out ways that he can free up cap space. And, and really the ways of doing that, you know, how you could look at it is, a potential Aaron Rodgers restructure, a contract extension for Devontae Adams that pushes cap later, um, you know, potentially restructures or extensions for players like Adrian Amos or Zedarius Smith. Um, those are all things that I think he's got to kind of work through and try to figure that out. Of course, I'm sure he's doing a ton of draft prep as well as potential free agents that maybe he could get in um, at, at a value deal. And, you know, maybe that includes a J.J. Watt or someone like that. Who knows? But uh, I think that's probably what is on his checklist right now. Andy, you did an excellent job of leading me into my next question. So I was thinking about this earlier today, this offseason. It, it might seem like a lot of doom and gloom, like a lot of people are going to get cut. But I, I think if, if I'm trying to look at this with optimism, right, this offseason is an opportunity in a way. Uh, for teams in front offices because, sure, a lot of players are going to need to be cut to save money, but on the other hand, that means a lot of good players who wouldn't normally be available, they're going to be available. And, and I, I want your opinion on how front offices can best approach this offseason as an opportunity rather than a total drag. Like, like what's the glass half-full spin on this offseason with the COVID constraints and, and the lowered salary cap? Yeah, I think if you're really good at your job, you have the opportunity to really make hay in this type of unique situation and unique season. And if you're Green Bay and if you're a Packer fan, 
you're really hoping that uh, you know a front office full of former scouts like Brian Gutekunst is going to be able to you know lead you to find some of the best hidden talent both on the you know you know really on the um, you know players who are released the the cut list you know guys who you know didn't make it through their rosters because other teams had to release them as well I'm assuming you know very much that there's going to be some hidden gems within those lists and then really with a draft class that you may not have a scouting combine and some of these players some of these top players didn't even play last season. Like it's going to take some of these, you know, really smart organizations to, to kind of unearth some of these gems, but I, I absolutely believe that they're going to be out there. So there's an opportunity for the really good teams to find bargains, both in free agency and potentially in the draft as well. And I think if you look at it, if you really want to look at it from a positive standpoint, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going through a ton of changes this year, um, whether it be because they have to completely redo their team because of salary cap constraints or because uh, teams are bringing in these players because they actually do have salary cap and they can kind of make over their team. Uh, the thing with Green Bay that they have going for them is no matter what happens this offseason, they're going to have premium players at every premium position, and that includes, of course, Rodgers at quarterback, Devontae at wide receiver, David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Preston, or excuse me, Zadarius Smith at edge rusher, Kenny Clark at defensive tackle, and Jair Alexander at corner. Those are premium players at every one of the premium positions that you want them at. Now it's trying to fill in the gaps. And, and really, we, you know, we talked about Preston Smith, Dean Lowry, you, you know, Christian Kirksey. Yes, these are nice pieces that have contributed over the course of the last couple of seasons or maybe beyond. Uh, but these are players that you can replace with other players if you get, um, you know, contributions and improvements from guys like Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, MBS some of these young core players that have still an opportunity for growth. That's what Green Bay is really going to be looking for this season. Yeah, so I'm hearing the cream could rise to the top in these tough circumstances. You just hope that the Packers front office, one of the smart ones, and, and they will rise to the top. Andy Herman at Andy Herman NFL on Twitter, Packaday Podcast. Okay, you, you got to explain something to me, Andy. So the Packers, for my whole lifetime, they have been like obnoxiously disciplined, right? They, they barely sign anybody. They're very fiscally responsible. They don't make trades. It's draft and develop, and, and they're keeping you know money under control. Now I'm I'm reading and I'm being told and I'm supposed to think that that one aggressive offseason where they sign a couple of free agents has completely blown this team's cap situation up. Like, I, I'm not one of those people who thinks the salary cap is a myth. Like, that, that, I, the salary cap is very real. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I guess I'm just I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around this. My entire life, the Packers have been smart and prudent and they, you know, they spend wisely. They sign a couple of free agents, and now everything's out of control? Like, is that what happened? Like, what role does COVID play? How did we arrive at this point as Packers fans when our organization has been so responsible for such a long time? Yeah, I think you really have to go back to the offseason of 2019. And, um, you know, I said at the time, uh, you know, how as exciting as it is to go and get Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith, um, as well as, of course, Adrian Amos and Billy Turner all in what the course of a day, um, those have costs especially when you are continuing to bring on and, and bring back some of these high-paid players that I just named. You know, Aaron Rodgers still on a very premium contract, as is Devontae Adams. Kenny Clark just signed one. David Bakhtiari just signed one. So, you know, there's a lot of high-priced players on this team. And when they signed Zedary Smith, Preston Smith, Amos, and Billy Turner, those were all uh, very backloaded deals. If you looked at what they cost in 2019 when they first signed them, they almost cost nothing combined. Mm-hmm. They cost basically what Zedarius will cost this year in, in 2019 alone. So when you start making those transactions, you know, of course that's going to come and, and hit at some point. However, it was more than coupled with the fact that the salary cap, which would have likely have been, you know, who knows, maybe. I know conservatively maybe 210, maybe even 220 million at this point had last year not taken place, and then this year not trying to have to make up for it. You know, it, it would have gone up significantly. You have the ability to kind of continue to progress down the line and still, you know, keep the, you know, keep what players you want and still aggressively sign some players. I mean, imagine what an additional 30 to 35 million would do for for Green Bay right now if they were in that situation and had the opportunity to spend it. It would be massive. So. Uh, I think the obviously the pandemic is something that they couldn't control and weren't necessarily expecting, um, or obviously weren't expecting. So I think it's just the combination of those two things where they did make a little bit of an all-in move in, in 2019 and then couple that with a, a pandemic where the cap goes down in consecutive years, and that's why Green Bay's in the situation they are. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, but that takes per- 
perspective and and nuance and you know us fans it's not it's not really our thing last question for you andy i'm interested to hear your perspective on this um when i have you on the phone and not just on twitter because you tweeted out this this poll uh asking fans which they'd rather have last decade as a packers fan a lot of winning seasons a lot of trips to the playoffs a couple nfc championship games no super bowls would you rather have that or would you rather have tampa bay they didn't do a whole lot of anything they were miserable for the better part of this last decade, except they won a Super Bowl, right? And 65% of the votes, and it has over 12,000 votes, 65% say Green Bay. I don't necessarily need you to, to pick your side, although if you want to you know, say your opinion, I'd, I'd love that too. I want you to speak on the Packers' method, uh, the, the way that they have sustained success in the last decade, because they've been on the doorstep for 10 years. But there's always that one other team that's, that's doing things a little bit more aggressively. Now, that team, that said team, has, has not done it for 10 years straight, right? But that team has been able to beat them. Like, for example, San Fran has built it up and tore it down twice to get to two Super Bowls when the Packers haven't been to one uh, in that time period. Can you speak to this and give me your two cents? Is it better to be a team that that tries to keep the door open for 10 years, or is it almost better to be bad in the short term so you can be great and you can have these windows like the Niners have, for example? Yeah, and you talk about nuance and, and you know you know analyzing these things in great detail. Mm-hmm. If there were a perfect way to do it, every team would be doing it. And you know we can point to Tampa Bay and say like, look what they just did—they went all in. You know they took a chance on Tom Brady. They made a couple you know small free agent moves in Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown. They got—I mean—they just drafted insanely well with Tristan Wirfs and, and, and Antoine Winfield. Sometimes those things come together at the right time. You can also point to the, the 49ers, who you mentioned went in two times, mm-hmm. uh, don't have a Super Bowl, you know, during those you mm-hmm. know, runs. You know, they, they didn't pay off. The Saints have are in, you know, if you think Green Bay has it bad right now, the Saints are in complete purgatory probably for the next few seasons at least because of what they did to try to go all in, to try to get Drew Brees and Sean Payton and that group one more ring. And now they're going to be probably perennial third or fourth place finishers in the NFC South for the next few seasons because they're going to be so hamstrung by the salary cap. So it's all great and good to try to do that, but there are consequences to pay if you try to do it and it doesn't pay off. And for a lot of these teams that have done this, have gone that all in approach, it hasn't paid off. And now you're, you know, back to square one. And, you know, with, it's going to be interesting to see how Green Bay kind of changes their philosophy though because I think before when it was a 12 team playoff your goal was just to get in the playoffs and see if you could get hot at the right time well I I think it's getting harder and harder to do that especially in a 14 team playoff because you know and like you said there's always going to be maybe two three or four teams that are going all in on a given season there's really going to have to be weighing out the risk and reward of saying you know what we need to take a couple more chances and try to get there when we can because we don't know when these opportunities are going to come up again and it's tough to not look back at this past season and say hey Green Bay was maybe a player or two short and I know that may be harsh but uh, I, I also think there was some opportunity lost there. Oh, a- Andy, you're, you don't don't be sheepish with me. I, I agree with you, I, and, but I agree with the nuance and the perspective, too. All these teams are trying to do it different ways. It hasn't really worked out for anybody that you mentioned in the NFC. They've got there, the Niners have got there, and the Saints have gotten close, but like with the Packers, it just hasn't worked out. I appreciate your perspective, your explanation, and your nuance. Andy Herman, I would love to have you back anytime. Keep doing what you're doing this offseason because Packers fans really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be back anytime. I appreciate all your time, Grant. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Have a good one. That's Andy Herman at Andy Herman NFL on Twitter if you want to follow him, and you absolutely should. This Twitter poll is fascinating, and by poll, I mean like a like you can vote on it. It's an either-or. This is what he asked. Which decade would you rather have as a fan? Tampa Bay, two of ten winning seasons, one trip to the playoffs, seven seasons finishing last in the division, one Super Bowl win, or Green Bay, eight of ten winning seasons, eight trips to the playoffs, four trips to the NFC Championship game, Zero Super Bowl wins. 65% say the Packers, despite not having a Super Bowl to back up all that success. I, it's, it's really fascinating to compare the methodology of the Packers and then the Bucks and then the Niners and the Saints. And I, I want to push back a little bit on something Andy said. And I'm not disagreeing with Andy, but Andy mentioned when I brought up the 49ers. Andy said, well, the Niners didn't win any Super Bowls either. Yeah, but the Niners got to two. Sure, they went 0-2, but that's better than the Packers did. And who's to say that the Niners' methodology, it didn't net them a Super Bowl, but who's to say it wouldn't have worked for the Packers? Right? So I I don't know. I I don't know. I have a hard time looking back at the last decade and, and justifying the Packers' methodology 
because it didn't work for the Niners. It didn't work for the Saints. Okay, well, yeah, what the Packers did didn't work for the Packers either. So who's to say a slightly different methodology, a slightly different approach wouldn't have got them over the hump? I don't know. I hate talking about this in the past tense because Aaron Rodgers just won an MVP. But then again, I didn't draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement. So I'm not making the rules. Let's take a break. I want to talk a little bit more about how Tampa came to win this Super Bowl despite a a pretty lousy decade because I think there are some misconceptions on exactly what happened with Tampa Bay. I think people are oversimplifying it. What? Sports media oversimplifying something? No, couldn't be. We will not oversimplify, but we will talk about it coming up next year on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Big thanks to Andy Herman, Packaday Podcast, and on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You should follow him. He's putting out constant Packers content, content every day. The aptly named Packaday Podcast. And it's just little tidbits. Just 10, 15 minutes every day is all you need. There's not really that much to talk about every day. I don't know. A two hour show every day? That would be ridiculous. There's not that. There's not that. Not, there's not that much going on. You don't have time for two hours a day. Anyways, uh, a couple of t- couple of texts, 608-796-2558. Brett, he texts in and says, Grant, remember, the Milwaukee Bucks have been our 49ers. Go all in, still not be able to get it done. Ah, that hurts to read because it's true. The Niners, like the Milwaukee Bucks, at times have had everything right there in front of them. Like in 2019, the Bucks were up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Months later, the Niners had a lead in the second half over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They had a lead and the ball, and they couldn't get it done, just like the Bucs couldn't get it done. They couldn't close it out. We talk, interestingly enough, you, you go back to the last time the Niners were in the Super Bowl, too. Wasn't that the, the game where the power went out? Isn't that the game where the Niners were leading and then the Ravens ended up coming back? Very similar to when the Bucs were about to win seven games, and then a pandemic hit. A lot of, par- lot of parallels. Great comparison, Brett. Good job. I agree. And I, I just responded on the talking text line. Wow. No, it's, it's that's a complimentary wow, Brett. That's that's a good wow. I'm just talking a little bit about different methodologies between the Buccaneers, who won the Super Bowl just a couple weeks ago, the Chiefs, right? The Niners have done it different ways. The Saints, the Seahawks, all, all these teams. And I'm, I'm mentioning, for the most part, NFC teams because we're most familiar with those teams. These teams have gone about it different ways. Sometimes it's worked. Sometimes it hasn't. But anytime a team wins a Super Bowl, right, we always talk about, well, they did it the right way. And every team should do it that way. Every team should do what Tampa Bay did. And Andy brilliantly brought up when I was talking to him about 10 minutes ago, look, if there was one right way to do this, then every team would do it every year. But there's lots of different ways to skin a cat. Every team is, is trying to do it their own way, which I think is smart. I hate it when teams try to recreate what New England is doing. I think it's dumb. Do your own thing. That's what Matt LaFleur and the Packers are doing. That's what the Rams did, right? The Cardinals, God love them. They said, hey, let's hire Cliff Kingsbury and see if it works. The Cowboys are like, hey, let's let's go classy. Let's go old school. Let's go get Mike McCarthy. I love it. I love how different teams do it their own way. That's what's fun about football, right? But every time a team wins a Super Bowl like Tampa, the entire sports landscape is like, well, how can we be more like the Buccaneers? How can we do what the Buccaneers did? Because I'm sure as you have heard many times, it's a copycat league. The NFL's a, a copycat league. And now every I hear every team's supposed to do the things that Tampa Bay did, which I like I don't even I don't even know what that means. Like most folks think Tampa went all in. They they got Antonio Brown, they got Gronk, they got Brady, they got Leonard Fournette, they got a bunch of hired guns, and they went all in and then, and then they got after it. That's not really what happened. What happened was Tampa was garbage for 10 years, and they built this team through the draft especially the defense, especially the back end of that defense, and the linebackers. They brought in some hired guns up front, Nadamakan Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul. They drafted Shaq Barrett, drafted Levante David and Devin White, drafted uh, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Whitehead. They drafted all those guys, and those are premium picks. Vita Vea, another top 10 pick. They only can draft those players, premium players, by picking in the top 10, which they were able to do because they were so bad. 
And that's not really an option for the Packers or the Seahawks or the Falcons. It's not as simple as, as, well, let's be bad for a couple of years. You can't be bad when you have Aaron Rodgers. It's not how it works. The idea that Tampa simply went, well, they just tried harder, right? They went and got all these guys. They did, but they also drafted a really good roster, right? They got Antonio Brown, but Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were already there. Yeah, they brought in Gronk, but they already had O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. Right? Like, it's not like they... you want So the Packers want to do it the way Tampa did it? Here's what they would have to do. Trade everyone except Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Elton Jenkins, and A.J. Dillon. Everyone. Trade everyone. And keep those guys. Maybe keep MVS or Alan Lazard. Lose for five years, annually drafting in the top ten, and then hope some random free agent quarterback who is arguably the greatest of all time just happens to come into free agency. That's how the Buccaneers did it. And that's how the Packers would have to do it if they wanted to do it the Buccaneers way. So don't tell me about how they signed Leonard Fournette and they signed AB and they signed Gronk. They did, yeah. But a team with AB, Gronk, Fournette, like that's a that's an eight and eight team. The real foundation of this team was built through the draft, through premium picks, which just aren't available to teams with a healthy Hall of Fame quarterback every year, of which the Packers are one, which is why the Packers are doing it a different way than the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Saints, all doing it different ways. The Rams are now doing it a different way as well. That's what's fun about the NFL. There's no one right way to do it. Everybody's trying different things. Don't try to recreate Tampa or New England or whatever. Let's take a break. I want to talk NFL, NBA. We'll talk about the Brewers' new edition. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show, rolling on. Hope you're having a good evening. Your week is coming along nicely. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I went out to move my car before the show started. This is like 3.45. I didn't even put my jacket on. I wanted to stand outside in the sun. I think it was like 18 degrees. Felt like 40. It was amazing. It was just wonderful. I want to talk about the Packers here in a minute. Uh, I don't know if you saw the big news of the day. The Brewers are bringing back Brett Anderson. Not Justin Turner, but a nice piece to round out the rotation. Jeff Passan reporting the Brewers and Anderson are in an agreement. One year, $2.5 million contract. So the uh, the rotation is rounding out nicely. Schmidt texts in asking about the bullpen. Hey, Grant, slacking on the horn. Could have missed it, but have you mentioned Derek Fisher? Not the NBA player who cheated on his wife, but the newer... <laughs> but, but the newest Brewers reliever. Funny you mentioned it, Schmidt. I hadn't said anything about that. (laughs) Derek Fisher joining the Brewers bullpen. No, not that Derek Fisher. The other Derek Fisher. The one you've never heard of. Yeah, that. (laughs) I am, uh, I'm going to need a moment to recollect myself. What were we going to talk about? Yes, the Packers. We're going to get into the Packers. You can join Schmidt on the talk and text line if you would like. 608-796-2558. I woke up today feeling spicy in a good way because I, I, I got such a solid night's sleep. I wasn't up late. And like I said, to start the show tonight, I was an adult this morning. I bought a new pack of undershirts at the store. Um, I voted in a primary election. Nonetheless, I'm not talking about the president. Everybody rolls out of bed for the presidential election. I rolled out for a primary mayoral primary state superintendent school board. Yeah. Yeah. I showed up today. My own ID, I came ready. I was registered. I breezed through there. And I, when I walked into the, the voting center, it's the community center on my side of town. It's my precinct, which I looked up the day before at myvote.gov or myvotewisconsin.gov, so I was prepared. I walked in and, you know, people who uh, typically work at polling centers, typically retired, right? I walked in and I saw the look in their eye. They're like, oh, boy, look at this guy. Look at this idiot. He won't have his ID. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't even know it's an election day. Look at this idiot. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, I rolled up. I was in and out of there in six minutes. So I had my ducks in a row. I've been an adult today. I'll tell you what. And I woke up today ready to be creative, ready to think outside the box. And I want to talk about the Packers. I want to talk about the offseason. And I want to talk about the future direction of this team, especially over the next couple of months. I want to talk big picture. Gone are the shows where we lament the mistakes of Kevin King and the stupidity at times of Mike Patton. We're not, we're not doing that. We're on to bigger and better things. I want to talk big picture today. And I have a creative take. I want to share that with you. 
Think about everything we've talked about over the last two months. Our big NFL talking points. What have we discussed? We've talked about how the Packers need another wide receiver, right? Wide receivers that get open quickly make life easier for everybody else. Make life easier on the offensive line. Life easier on the quarterback. Life easier on the play caller. Wide receivers that get open quickly, they cure a lot of ills. And the Packers against the Buccaneers, that offensive line had some ills. The running game had some ills. Most notably, they ignored it. Another wide receiver who could get open right away could have made the difference. And the Chiefs, subsequently in the Super Bowl, might have shown us that a third wide receiver is really, really important. Because that Buccaneers secondary was able to take away Tyreek Hill, take away Travis Kelsey, and they didn't have somebody who stepped up in that third wide receiver slot. Meanwhile, for the Buccaneers, Antonio Brown was good. Gronk was good. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin combined for three catches and 40 yards in the Super Bowl. Third wide receiver. Very important. So we've been talking about wide receivers. That's been a big talking point. We've talked about how the Packers need another defensive lineman. Kenny Clark needs a friend. He's lonely. Get him a buddy. He's a playmaking nose tackle. He's not a run stuffer. He's not Ryan Pickett. He's not Gilbert Brown. He's not Howard Green. He is a playmaking, dynamic, quick, fast nose tackle. And if he has to waste all season eating up double teams and stuffing the run, I'm not going to be happy. I want to see him excel. I want to see him in a position to succeed, and I think he needs somebody next to him, needs a buddy. Talked about that quite a bit. That's been a big talking point. And we've also talked at length about how it's not smart to build through defense. You know what I'm talking about. It's a weak link system. Right, An offensive coordinator can attack the weakest link. So even if you have a great D-line, great corners, great linebackers. Well, if you have poor safeties, okay, offensive coordinator can, they can buff. They can get after that. Right, They can go after uh, the weakest link on the defense. So a defense is not a great unit to build around. You also can't rely on turnover luck. There's a lot of variance that goes into defense. Things out of the control of the defense and the defensive coordinator. The luck of the ball, the rules of the game. I say luck of the ball, bounce of the ball. Rules of the game. Defense is up against it, and it's not a particularly reliable unit on the football field. Speaking of defense, let me explain myself. Let's talk about this in the offseason context because it is the offseason. Last season's best defense is by EPA per play. Expected points added per play, which is breaking defense down to its most granular level. Number one were the Rams, number two were the Steelers, number three was the Washington football team, and number four was the Dolphins. And if I had the money, I would bet the under on every single one of those teams for their win totals in 2021. Of course, it depends a little bit on what the number is set at. I haven't seen the over-under numbers yet. We can kind of guess where they might be put, but I would bet the under on all four of those teams because all of those teams, one way or another, got lucky with health, And I know the Steelers lost Devin Bush and Aaron Donald was beat up for the Rams by the end of the season. But but by and large, those four teams, defense was able to stay very healthy and they got great turnover luck. Dolphins were number one in the NFL with 29 turnovers faced. Because they're an opportunistic defense, yeah, but also because they got lucky. And the Steelers were number two and they scored some defensive touchdowns because they're great and they're dynamic, yes, but also because they're lucky. And Los Angeles and Washington were like eight and 11th in the league in turnovers. That's luck that you can't rely on. I've been saying this for weeks and I'm saying it right now. Don't build through defense. But, but, and I can't believe I'm doing this. I think the Packers, I think the Packers should prioritize defense this offseason. I can base this in very little quantitative evidence. I don't really have numbers to back this up. I guess I have a couple. I don't don't have a lot of data to back this up. I have a gut feeling, and I have my fandom. And I I hear sports fans all the time. I've been watching football a long time. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what. That's what I'm doing right now. I have about 15 years of watching the Packers and experience, of going through the ebbs and flows season by season by season. I have a gut feeling, and my fandom tells me that I think it would be prudent for the Packers to build through their defense this offseason and plan on the defense being a driving factor for their team next year. Let's look at the progression of the last two seasons and exactly what has happened. In 2019, the Packers had great turnover luck. Great turnover luck. Forced a lot of turnovers. Great in the red zone. Tremendous in the red zone. Pass rush was great. And in 2019, at times, in games, the defense carried the offense. Matt LaFleur's first year, Aaron Rodgers' first year in the system. 
right? Packers defense carried the day at times in 2019. Now there were games the offense got it done too, the Raiders game, but in the Bears game, the Vikings games, like the defense is the driving factor. That's 2019. Move along to 2020. All of those defensive advantages regressed. Their turnover luck wasn't as good. And their red zone defense wasn't as good, at least until the end of the season. The pass rush, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, not as good. And in 2020, the offense certainly carried the defense. A change from a year ago in 2019. So look at 2019, look at 2020. Now look ahead to 2021. Trends and momentum would tell us that it might be the defense's year to shine. Here's my thought process. And like I said, not based in data at all, which is why, you know, keep your skeptical hat on as we talk about this. Here's my thought process. I expect the turnover luck to come back big time in this season. Last season, 2020, the Packers were 26th in the NFL with only 18 forced turnovers. Now, they dropped some interceptions here and there, Will Redman, but they also just didn't get the ball thrown their way. Like, no one tested Jair Alexander. Right? The, the ball didn't bounce their way. They didn't get turnovers. Fine. That's not all in the control of a defense. I expect the turnover luck to come back. I expect the red zone luck to come back. They were 13th in 2020 in touchdowns allowed, scoring percentage in the red zone. They were, they were 11th in 2019. And I think the number in 2020 being as good as 13, I think it was buoyed by some success in the late season against the Bears and against the Titans. That really improved that number. I expect red zone luck to get better. Turnover luck to get better. I expect Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage to continue to get better. I don't know. Maybe Kingsley Kiki. Maybe Kenny Clark takes another huge jump. There are reasons to think the defense will take a step in 2021 after taking a step back in 2020. And most important of all, I got to think the Packers offense is going to regress just a little bit in 2021. Right? Matt LaFleur, now the cat's out of the bag. This is his offense. You know, give defensive coordinators a couple of months. Might come up with some ideas. I would expect Mike Zimmer to not be undressed every time this season against Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. I would hope that the Bears defense can do a little bit better. I don't know, maybe the Lions. I would expect the NFL and the defensive coordinators in the NFL to be a little bit more ready for what Matt LaFleur throws at them this year. And that's not Matt LaFleur's fault. That's how the league works. You got to adapt. You got to change. Got to evolve. I wish I had more precedent for this. I immediately thought of Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. He was there for two years, and I wish he would have been there for one more because when he got there in 2015, the team went 8-8, eight and eight. and the next year, they end up in the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan wins an MVP, and the offense is amazing, and Kyle Shanahan gets hired as a head coach in San Francisco. I, I wish Shanahan would have been there one more year. I wish we could have seen what Shanahan would have done in year three because we're now going into year three with Matt LaFleur. However, Matt LaFleur is the head coach. Shanahan was the OC, and looking back, I really got to think the Falcons just would have would have preferred Shanahan to be their head coach. Then they could have retained him instead of Dan Quinn, who has now moved along. And now they've hired Arthur Smith to basically try to become the next Kyle Shanahan. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish Shanahan would have stayed in Atlanta because then we'd have precedent for this. Lafleur, A-OK in year one. The team went 13-3 and three anyways, largely because the defense is great. That defensive luck regressed a year later, but the offense is so good it didn't matter. And the team explodes and Aaron Rodgers, like Matt Ryan before him, won an MVP. Now, I got to think in year three, there'll be slight regression. Jones and Williams are probably gone. Lindsley's probably gone. Rodgers is one year older. I expect the offense to slow down to a degree. Not go in the tank, not be terrible, but to slow down a little bit. Score 31 a game, maybe, instead of 37. I don't know, something to that extent. But if the Packers build smartly through the defense this year, and they have some, some smart picks, they maybe make a veteran pickup or two, some cheap players that have been cut, Sean Gary, Darnell Savage gets a little better. Okay, the offense regresses next season, but here comes that defense right on cue, and this thing keeps going. The timing, the luck, I just, I got a gut feeling that this could be the season that the Packers' defense could rule the day. Could be. They got to make some some smart draft picks, which, I don't know, Brian Gutekind's been a little bit hit or miss in that department. He's had good picks, but he's had, he's had pretty bad ones, too. And as I talked about with Andy Herman back at 430, a lot of players are going to be available who wouldn't normally be available. J.J. Watt is case study number one. So how do you go get players like J.J. Watt who've been bought out cheaply because teams need the cap space? And how do you, you put them into place on the Packers defense? I know I say never to build through defense. And I'm not, 
I'm not saying the Packers to build their franchise around defense, but I think they should build with the idea that their defense is going to be a lot better next year and that their offense might take a slight step back. And then that defense is ready to compliment Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and company in year three. Just something to think about, something to chew on. We got months to to ponder it. It's just an idea I wanted to throw out there. Thought it was interesting. Let's take a break, wrap up the show. I want to keep talking about football. I'd love to get to your text, 608-796-2558 as well. I want to talk about Russell Wilson just because he's just the habit I can't kick. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and tonight has been um tonight's been a trip. It feels like three days ago we talked to Andy Herman back at 4:30. Since then, we have run down a list of Jerry's different girlfriends throughout the course of Seinfeld over the seasons. My favorite one is the one with the great toy collection. Drugs are to play with the toys. The Merv Griffin episode. Obviously an all-time classic. Uh Schmidt at some point texted in and well, I just want to read this text again because it made me laugh. Hey, Grant, slacking on the horn, could have missed it, but have you mentioned Derek Fisher, not the NBA player who cheated on his wife, but the newest Brewers pitcher? We have uh, talked about a lot of different things. And now I'm arguing that the Packers should build through defense. Am I on drugs? Am I being held hostage? I don't know. Also, Zach Heilprin, our friend from The Zone, retweeted one of my tweets about an hour and a half ago, and I actually am worried about Zach. I think somebody might be holding Zach Heilprin hostage because that's the only way he would ever publicly support anything I do on Twitter. So somebody, if you're close to the scenario, close to the situation uh, with the sports director and voice of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network, which I guess it, now he is my colleague, I'm worried about the guy. He's retweeting my stuff. That's not normal. Somebody somebody check on him. 608 7962558. I want to talk about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson went on Dan Patrick earlier this week. This is what he had to say. I don't think I'll play the full thing, but I, I want a little bit of context. Russell Wilson says, hey, Seahawks need to be better. They need to protect me. They need to invest in me, and they need to make me part of the front office because I want my input on stuff. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes you hold on to it a little bit, you know, just because you're looking for that play and you find you find those guys, but also so many, so many times those turns into touchdowns too. But, you know, to be, to be, uh, you never want to be sacked that many times, you know, 400 times basically is, is way too many, 400 too many, um, you know, so I think that's a big, it's a big thing that we got to fix. That's got to be fixed, you know, and, and has to be, you know, at the end of the day, because you know, my goal is to play, you know, 10 to 15 more years. And so when you think about that and longevity and legacy and all that, you know, I, and, you, and you watch the game the other night, you know, the difference between that game was, you know, uh, Tom was taking shots down the field and getting the ball, you know, to, to his guys and stuff like that. But, you know, he wasn't touched really. He got touched. I think he got sacked one time in the game, you know, um, you know, early on. But Okay, we get the we get the gist. What Russell Wilson is trying to do is still be Mr. Nice Guy. Four hundred times. Four hundred times too many. Ha ha ha. Married to Sierra. I'm a man of God. Whatever. We get the bit from Russell Wilson. You might be able to tell, not the biggest fan. I wouldn't call myself a hater. I would say that I'm the one person who is actually critical of Russell Wilson. People forget that Russell Wilson actually threw an interception that cost his team a Super Bowl, but he did this slick thing of allowing his head coach to be blamed for it. Incredible maneuver by Russell Wilson at the time. I don't bring this up just to hate on Russell Wilson. I honestly bring this up because I feel like I I deserve a minute of patting myself on the back. I just got to say, I was so right about Russell Wilson in week three of the season when everybody wanted to anoint him the MVP, and I said, nuh-uh, and they ended up not getting a vote again. Josh Allen now has more career MVP votes than Russell Wilson. Rodgers has won three MVPs. Russell Wilson has still yet to get a single vote. I was right about that. I was right about Seattle and Pete Carroll the week after Seattle lost in the wildcard game to the Rams. Three days later, I came on this program and I leaned into this mic and I said, next year will be Pete Carroll's last year in Seattle. It's getting late early for Pete Carroll. The game is passing him by. Pete Carroll. People are angry at Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. That's not going to fly. And what has happened? Weeks later, after I brought it up, 
Russell Wilson, Mr. Nice Guy, who never speaks out about anything, goes on the Dan Patrick show and says that he wants say in the roster. Huh? I was so right. I was so right about this. And I got to say, we're headed for an inevitable divorce between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Like I said last week, a divorce that mirrors almost identically the divorce of Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. The career arc is the same. Early success, money starts being handed out, defense gets poor, offense gets stale, now there's tension. And in 2018, it came to a head with McCarthy being fired. If Rodgers was healthy in 2018 and 2017, that might have happened sooner. Russell Wilson has been healthy. He's unhappy. Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. Pete Carroll is... He's on the list right now in Seattle. It's getting late early for Pete Carroll. And I said this, what, last week, two weeks ago? And now it's playing out before our very eyes. And I just, before we wrap up the show tonight, I want to get this out on the air. I want to get it out in the ether, and I'm going to save the audio so I can reference it again. The media is going to take, the media is going to be so kind to Russell Wilson in a way that they were never kind, I'm going to say it, to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron you remember when Mike McCarthy was fired? After, after the Packers lost to the Cardinals and Josh Rosen. Aaron Rodgers loses the game. The Packers lose the game and Mike McCarthy gets fired. And instead of, wow, what a career the two had. Interested to see the next step for both. You remember what happened? Terry Bradshaw went on this emotional monologue on the Fox OT. So it was after the late game. It was the Fox OT show. And Terry Bradshaw's like, well, Aaron, it's your birthday. McCarthy's fired. I, yeah. Glad you're happy. Glad you got what you want. A man lost his job. And then that was less than a year after Terry Bradshaw said that he would keep Mike McCarthy instead of Aaron Rodgers. A take that is aged like milk, except we don't hold Terry Bradshaw responsible for these kinds of things because he's Bradshaw and I get it. But I can't wait to see the way the media plays <laughs> plays Russell Wilson versus the way they played Rodgers two years ago when his aging over the hill head coach was let go. Just something to keep in mind. Something to think about. Let's take a break. We'll talk about all this tomorrow. Same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.